0: Well, good morning. morning. Kind of a catchy tune, isn't it? Okay. I want to welcome you, and I want to say we're so glad you're here this morning, and I want to welcome everybody who's worshiping with us online. I hope if you ever get an opportunity to join us here, because this is a happening place. I'm telling you, the worship is unbelievable. Thank you so much, Pastor Phil, and the team for leading us. I want to say that if you're a guest here this morning, I want to say especially that we're glad you're here immediately following the service right out in our Grand Foyer area there, there is a table out there. It's our guest services. And if you have questions about our church, we would love for you to get whatever information that you need. We'll get your questions answered. And we're gonna ask that you might pray about making Central Community your permanent church home. We've got some incredible opportunities coming up in this next seven or eight weeks leading up to Christmas where we're gonna have an opportunity to go out into the community and shine for Jesus. And that's kind of the direction that we're gonna start going today. So I thought I would start with this, and that is, is how many of you have ever heard this particular saying, all gave some, some gave all. How many of you have heard that before? Okay. That was a term or was a phrase that was recorded by a man by the name of Howard William Osterkamp from Dent, Ohio. He was a Korean veteran. He served in the United States Army from 1951 to 1953, and he was a Purple Heart recipient. Now, I know that if you have heard that before, you would realize that a lot of times that phrase is used at Memorial Day. It's when we pay honor and we remember those who have given the ultimate price, who've who've given the ultimate sacrifice of their life. But I want you to know that it's also a phrase that we can use to honor those who have served in the military. Now, That phrase became really popular back in 1992 because a man by the name of Billy Ray Cyrus wrote a song about that phrase and he dedicated it to a Vietnam veteran who was his very close friend. Now, the reason I'm telling you this, and you'll find out later about why we're going this direction, but this Friday is Veterans Day. This is the day that we honor those men and women who have served in our armed forces. So if you have served, if you are a veteran, would you please stand? We would like to honor you this morning. Would you please stand? Let's honor them. Very cool. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. We really appreciate you. We value you. So for those of you that were just standing, I have a question for you. So what is it that would motivate you to want to put yourself in a possible position where you could potentially give your all? I mean, think about it. What is it that made, and some of you may say, well, it was the draft. Well, let's forget that one, okay? But what is it that would cause someone to want to put themselves in a position where they would have to give their all. You know, the Bible talks about this, and I want to show you what it says. In John 15, 13, it says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Do You understand what Jesus is saying here? Jesus is talking about the way we're supposed to live, and we're supposed to live selflessly. We're supposed to live sacrificing. And Jesus is the ultimate picture of what that looks like. He's the power. He's the pattern of what this love is supposed to look like. And you know what the Bible calls this kind of love? Generosity. How many of you know that the God we serve is a generous God? We know he is, right? Because everything we have, even the air that you are breathing right now, is a gift from him. But what I love about, and Pastor Phil mentioned this earlier, is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. If our God is a generous God, and he is, then that means when you and I are generous, it makes us look like him. And that's the goal. The Holy Spirit is living and working inside all of us to mold us and shape us and form us so we can look more like Him. Stand with me out of respect for God's Word. I'm going to read a very popular story. It's out of Luke chapter 21 and it's verses 1 through 4. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all of the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. This is God's Word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, today I want to have a heart that looks more like yours. To do that, I need to be taught more about what it means to be generous. I need to learn how to follow your example with my time, with my possessions, and with my gifts. Holy Spirit, you have permission. You have free reign to do what you need to do. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Now, for those of you who are guests here this morning, and we're, gonna begin, we're beginning a brand new series on the topic of generosity, and I, you know you're probably thinking, are you kidding me? The first time I go to the church and the pastor's talking about money, well, here's what I want you to know, I'm not expecting a dime from you, okay? I want you just to, to ease your pain, you don't have to worry about that. But I want to do want to tell you this, is that one of the things that I probably have not done, and I agree I should have done this a lot more, is that I have not preached a whole lot of sermons on the topic of generosity. In fact, you could probably count on both of your hands how many times in all of my ministry that I've preached a message on generosity. I hope you also wanna know why. The reason is is because whenever we talk about generosity, whenever we talk about people's wallets, it makes people uncomfortable. See, you're shifting. Some of you have your hand in your pocket now and you have a hold of your wallet, right? I, heard, I thought I saw one lady say, pass me my purse. Here's what I want you to understand about generosity and why it's really important, okay? Not everything about generosity has to do with money. You realize that, right? I mean, did you realize that when one of your friends in class asks you to borrow a pencil, you're being generous? When somebody cuts in front of you and you just kindly smile and allow them to do that, you're being generous. There's all different ways that you can demonstrate generosity. It doesn't always have to do with money, (laughs) except for today. (laughs) Today I'm going to talk a little bit about money, okay? I hope I have your permission. And I hope you come back next week, okay? But I want you to understand something, and, and I'm just going to be really honest with you. I struggle with sharing. I always have. It's amazing to me how... Uh, no one had to teach me how to be selfish. It's like I just already had it with me. You know what I'm talking about? And I needed to learn more about what it means to share. And so here's why I'm telling you this. If you will take what God is going to give us today from His Word and you will apply it into your life, I promise you this, it'll change it'll transform your life. It'll change your life. Now, I know you're probably saying, well, Pastor Bob, you say that every week. You're right. Because anytime you take God's Word, and you begin to apply it into your life, it's going to change the way you live your life. Now, the very first thing that I thought we would do this morning is let's ask a question. And the question that we want to ask is this. So what does Jesus think about this generosity? What does Jesus think about our money? That's a good place to start, isn't it? So here's what I found out. Did you know that there are over 250 verses in the Bible about believing? There are more than 500 verses in the Bible about prayer. There are more than 750 verses about love. But did you know that there are more than 2,000 verses in the Bible about money? The question that I ask right away is, hmm, you see, 25% of everything Jesus taught was on our finances. Wow. I wonder why. I remember as I was getting ready for this, I asked the question, Lord, so why is it that Jesus taught so much about money? And what came to my mind was this the first commandment Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You see, there is something about money our wallet, about our money, about our finance that is tied directly to our hearts. And it's not just a little line, it's an artery. And any time you begin to approach the heart about issues, people always get uncomfortable. But I want you to understand something. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's something that's good because it just means that the Spirit is getting your attention. Now, I want you to listen to this this quote from Tim Keller. It says, money flows effortlessly to that which is its God. Wow, what a great statement, isn't it? And that's exactly what happens. Whatever's the most important thing in your life, that's where your money is going to follow. So here's what I want to say to you this morning, and I hope you hear this loud and clear, okay? God's not interested in your stuff. God doesn't want your money. God doesn't want your boat, God doesn't want your bank account, you know what He wants? He wants you. But the problem is, is that when our stuff gets our attention, when we value our stuff more than we value God, then God knows He doesn't have us. Now, in the Old Testament, there's two men that I just want to touch on briefly. And these two men teach us a lot about this subject of generosity. One of them is Job, and the other one is Solomon. Everybody knows Job, right? Job was a man who started off with a lot of wealth. And what happened? He lost everything, didn't he? And then you've got Solomon, the richest and the wisest man that has ever lived. These two men can teach us a lot about generosity. Look at what we learned from them. Job had nothing and learned God is enough. And Solomon had everything and learned stuff can't satisfy the heart. Now, I can tell you, when I first started in ministry, I was a teacher. I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to be dirt poor. I was so th- we were so thankful for Pizza Hut, weren't we? Man, Pizza Hut had all of the vegetables and all the food groups that we needed, and you know what? It was cheap. We were very thankful for that. But I just want to tell you that here today, I remember when Lori and I got married, my dad gave me a ledger, and in that ledger he wrote these words. The key to your financial success will be always found in your gifts to the Lord. I want you to know I have tithed, we have tithed even when we couldn't. And here's why. You always get what you give You always get what you give. All right, now let's go to Genesis, okay? This is one of the verses that I like to start out with. there's anybody in here who's gone through premarital counseling with me, you know and recognize this verse because we start out with this verse. And I want you to understand what this verse says. First, let's read it together, okay? Ready? Here we go. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now here's what this verse means. This verse means that you and I are stewards and God is the owner. And since we are stewards, it means that one day there will be an accounting. We will have to give an account. So you may think, so what does this have to do with marriage? Here's what it has to do. When a young man and a young woman are coming together, God is giving them a garden. And he places that man, just like he placed Adam in the garden. It literally means when he placed him in, to rest in the garden. And what ma- that man has a responsibility according to what the Lord says. And the Lord says this, this garden, this life, this family, you are to work it and you are to take care of it. And some versions says you are to cherish it. You are to nurture it. I always have to explain to men what that means to nurture something. But I want you to think about this, here's what God is saying to the men of your family. Your responsibility is to bring about health in the garden. Why? Because where health is, growth always happens. But God says you're going to have to work it. So some days you're going to have to weed the garden. Some days you're going to have to remove critters from there. Some days you may have to build a fence. But when God brings this woman into your garden that you are the spiritual leader of, you are to create an environment to where she can grow and the children can grow. Now the problem is, is that you and I have believed the lie of the world, and what does the world say? The world says, my truck, my boat, my bank account, my family, and all of that is wrong. The Bible is very explicit that He owns it all. Now some of you are in here probably thinking, but wait a minute, Pastor Bob, you know what? I was the only one who was up at night. I was the one who was worrying and who was praying. I was the one who put my blood, sweat, and tears in my business. I'm the one that had to give of my finances and, st- and live on ramen and noodles or whatever for a while. I don't remember anybody else helping me. And I want you to listen. That's also part of Satan's eye, and look what God says about that. For it is not your strength but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. You understand what that means? That means that even the energy that you have to do your work comes from God. The ideas, the wisdom that you get from, that to, do, to make your business happen, All come from God. Everything we have comes from God. Now, take a look at this. Israel, listen. Our God is the Lord, the only Lord. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you, and a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. What's God saying here? God is saying this, do not abandon me and think you built a better world. And that's easy to do, isn't it? How many of you ever had this? At times, I've experienced a sense of false security, false comfort. Here's what I mean. Okay, I've got money in the bank. I got my bills paid except for my house payment and a couple other things. I've got a retirement program. I've got a good job. You know what? I'm good. This verse is saying, be careful of that false sense of reality. Because when you think it belongs to you and it's yours to do with as you feel, guess what? There's going to be a problem. My friend, God wants us to know, and it's important that we understand everything we have belongs to Him. All right, now. So now let's go to the story today. So it's probably two or three days before Jesus dies on the cross. And he's in the temple. And specifically, he's at a place called the Temple of the Courts, or the Gentile Courts. This is the outer edge of the temple that everybody could go and be a part of, okay? Now, the reason he's here is that he has just had a conversation. And the conversation was with a lot of the Pharisees and the leaders of the church. And he gave them what for? Jesus is very laser focused right now because the cross is right before him. And he tells them, quit putting pressure as a church on the widows and the orphans and those that cannot give you what you're demanding from them. That's what he's upset about. So when he's finished, he and his disciples go and they have a seat in the Gentile court. Now, once you understand something, in the Gentile quarters where all the offering plates are, there's 13 of them. But they're not plates, they're like trumpets. They've got this huge outer opening, and then they funnel down and they're made of copper. Most of these have an inscription on them that says this is where that offering is going to, and that there are some that are just a general offering. Now, Jesus is sitting there, and the Bible tells us he's watching them. But do you remember who it is he's watching? In the beginning, the Bible tells us it's the rich. Now, I know a lot of us are thinking right now, because I remember the first time I heard this story, and I'm thinking, he ain't talking about me. But you know what he is? We all need to understand that Jesus right now is watching us, giving of our offering. You know how I can say that? Because the median average salary in the world is less than $2,000 a year. You know what that means? You're rich. So I want everybody to say something with me. Ready? I want you to say, I'm rich. Ready? One, two, three. Man, I'd be more excited about it if I were rich, but no. (laughs) Okay, now, so here's what I want to tell you about that, okay? So there was a group of people... In those days that were called the tinkers. And here's why they were called the tinkers. They would take, like, if you were gonna give $100 to the offering, and they would go and get $100 worth of nickels. And then they would come with these big bags, and they would dump these bags into these copper trumpets, and it would go, bum, 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 bum. and everybody would look and say, Wow, look at all these, look at what these people are doing. They're giving uh, they're wealthy. But Jesus isn't phased by that. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like Jesus says this Disciples, come here. Watch this. And they see a poor old widow walk over to the offering. And she puts in two small coins, these are called lepta actually the two coins together, were one sixty-fourth of a day's wage. What you need to understand is that this is the smallest amount that you are allowed to give to the temple. And here she comes, and she puts that into the plate, and Jesus says, look. And I want to ask you a question this morning. When Jesus looks at your offering, is He attracted to that? What is it that He's seeing? Now, I want to remind you guys, there is nothing wrong with being rich. I hope you all get filthy rich. There's nothing wrong with having money in the bank. There's nothing wrong with having cars or houses or things like that, there's nothing wrong with that. It becomes wrong when it has your heart. Now, what I want to point out to you from the Scriptures is what the Bible teaches is this, Jesus never disapproved of what the rich were giving. He never said, no, no, that's not good. He never said anything about what they were giving. And here's why. Because Jesus did not measure what they were giving by the amount. Wait a minute, Pastor Bob, you may say. Doesn't it say in the Bible that this woman, this, this widow, gave more than everyone else? How did she do that with two small coins? And here's the lesson that I want you to hear today. Because Jesus measured her gift by what was left over. Jesus measured the widow's gift based on her sacrifice. How would Jesus know? except for the fact that he is God, how much she put in. And how would anyone know the impact that it had on her life, except Jesus, the Son of God. And Jesus tells his disciples, look, she gave more than everyone else. It's never about the value. It's always about what it costs you and I, the sacrifice. Here's a case in point. In the Old Testament, there's a story of King David, and you know what? The Lord is really upset with him right now. You know why he's mad at him? The Lord is angry with David because David disobeyed. You know what David did? He took a census. God told the rulers, the leaders, his leaders, he says, I don't want you taking a census unless I tell you to, and here's why. You see, David would send to take a census to know how many men were in his army. And what God was concerned about is that David would think, okay, man, I've got over 800,000 men. We're good. But you see, what God wanted David to do is God always wanted David to have to look to him and depend on him. So because he sinned, the Lord came to him and he said, okay, you get to choose your punishment. Did your mom or dad ever say that to you? You get to choose your punishment? Oh, I hated those days. <laughs> and you know what? That's what God said to David. He said, you choose. And you know what David chose? He chose a three-day plague. 70,000 plus died because a leader made a bad decision call. As David is watching this going on, you know what? It just cuts him deep. And he prays and he asks God, God, please don't take, spare their lives. He goes, take mine. And now God has his attention. David finds out that the angel of the Lord is at a threshing floor owned by a man by the name of Aruna. God tells him, I want you to go there, and I want you to offer a sacrifice. Now, here comes the test. Watch what happens. Here we go. But the king replied to Aruna, no, I insist on paying you for it. You see, he wanted to give it to him for free. After all, he's the king, right? Hey, king, you can have whatever you want. David says, nope, I insist on paying for it. Now, look at this. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. You see, once again, we see that God's not concerned about the amount that you're giving. What he's concerned about is what's going in your heart, on in your heart and what it is that you have left over. If I am blessed with lots of funds, you know what God's going to look at? Not the amount, but where my heart is at. Here's what I mean. So when I was growing up, we didn't have an opportunity a whole lot of times to have pop. So when we did, it was a real treat. Because I was the oldest, my dad would say to us, he said, okay, Bob and Rick, you can have have something, you can have a bottle of pop, and Bob, you get to pour, and then Rick gets to pick which glass he wants, okay? He had to do that just because we fought all the time. Still do. So, what I learned then was that if I put more ice in a glass, it'll look like it's fuller. So, it would be like, okay, Rick, it's done. And then I would push that glass that had more pop in it. Here, you can have this one. Now, you know what? Even in something as little as that, God was looking at my heart, and He knew. Bobby, 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 Bobby. I know what's going on in your heart. It's not about the amount you're giving him or the way you're deceiving him. I just want to pay attention to your heart because I need to know that your heart belongs to me. There's three things that we can learn from this about giving. Here's the first one. Here's what matters. It's the motivation of the heart. You want to know how your offering becomes something that God is pleased with? It starts with your heart. So, what does the Bible tell us about the kind of heart we're supposed to have? A cheerful heart, right? It's a pleasure to give. Here's the second thing. Giving that pleases God costs us something. do not have to be anything great, but if I'm giving you something, you know what? I'm going to forego something. I'm going to go without something. Maybe we won't go out for lunch. We're not going to pay for that because we're using that and we're giving that for the purpose of being a generous follower of Christ. And here's the third thing. Little is much in the hands of the Lord. My friends, it does not matter. It does not matter at all how much you give. It just comes back to our heart. All right, now I'm going to bring this to a close, okay? So right now, in the next four, five, six, seven weeks, as I said, we're going to go out into the community. And it starts with our thanksgiving distribution and i want to tell you that you know what we still have some bags that we need to have filled up boy we've had a lot of bags go out and we've had a lot of bags come in but we still have more why because we want to make sure that we are being what god has called us to be a church that is a light in the world and how are we doing that we're giving to those we're feeding those who couldn't do it on their own So these are at the back, you can pick those up if you feel like you can help us out with even more. Here's the next thing. You know that we're having hams rather than turkeys. We found a group, we found a company that would give us the hams and it's gonna cost us $40,000. A lot of you have said to me, you know what? we would like to give to that. And you know what? Here's two things I would say. The first thing is this. If you would like to give, if God has blessed you with funds and you want to write a check to help us with that, you can do that today. You can give it to Pastor Justin. You can give it to Pastor Aaron. You can give it to me or you can put it out in those boxes there, okay? At the end of this week, we're going to know how much we need. And then next week is our dollar club. All of the money that we get from the dollar club is going to go with us through December So that we can be to the community that we can give of the things that we give. So what does that mean? That means cookies for the prison that we're getting ready to do in December. That means the foster families party that we do. That means the toys for the children of Oz and also the Thanksgiving distribution. So here we are, we're we're talking about this, and God is giving us an opportunity to exercise and to be generous. Now, how important this is to God? In the Bible, there are 2,350-some verses on the way we should treat the poor, the widow, the orphan, and the immigrant. I just read a statistic that came out of Barna this week, and it said that the community, when they look at the church, they have a 26.1% positive view. And that includes when they look at the pastor you know what? We have an opportunity to change that. Not because that's our focus, but because we want to look like Jesus. I want to remind you of something that happens every year. There's a house right across the street here, and every year there's a young man who gets up early in the morning, and he films us. He doesn't go to our church, but every year he takes that, and then he puts that on Facebook, and this is what he says. Here's the church right across the street from me, doing what they do best, and that is feeding those who can't feed themselves. Don't think that people aren't watching. And our people, these, the poor that we have, this is our opportunity. They need us. And remember what Jesus said? He said, when you give a glass of water to someone, when you go visit someone in prison, it's just like you are doing it to me. So I don't know about you, but I count this. What a privilege we have to be Jesus to our community. And during this time, the opportunities to, guess what? To pray, and we're praying that God would change some people's hearts simply because we want to be Jesus. Now, if you have questions more questions about what it is in this God that we're trying to imitate. You know what? There's a starting point out there that I want to encourage you to go to. And there's somebody there that will answer your questions and they'll help you walk through this. But one of the things that I'm so excited about is that we have an opportunity to once again be like Jesus. Now, I want to say this to you and I want you to hear me loud and clear. We have a very generous church. I mean, you guys blow my socks off. You are unbelievably generous. But you know what I've learned in my life, my walk? You can never outgive God. And so I want to continue to challenge you to give more and to give more. Why? Because you get what you give. In fact, the Bible even says test me in this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour blessings down upon you. In my life, I can tell you something, I have never worried or wondered about where my next meal is coming from. I know that because of how God has blessed me and it's so neat to see how miraculously money shows up that I never thought was coming. This is what makes us look like Jesus. Would you please stand? Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace, His joy, and His strength. God bless you. Have a great week. I hope you come back next week.